praise the Lord. One more time, let's give a round of applause for the amazing cast and crew of this weekend's Red Tie Society. You know, and we want to welcome all of you to Cornerstone and to our Red Tie Society event today. And entrance is only via a red tie, so I hope you guys have got your red tie with you. And uh, what an amazing um, script, an amazing plot, and uh, how telling it is on this resurrection weekend of what Jesus has done for us. Amen. You know, the Bible tells us of an account about a rich young ruler that happened 2,000 years ago. An astute and wealthy young man who came to Jesus in very much of a similar situation and who asked the Lord a same question. And the question that this rich young ruler asked the Lord was this, how or what must I do that I may inherit eternal life? He was asking for entrance not to the Red Tie Society here, but to heaven. Amen. You know, in this plot, it is about the Red Tie Society, but heaven is also an exclusive place where entrance is not controlled by me, the manager, but it is controlled by God who decides who gets into eternal life. God and God alone gets to decide whether we get into heaven and to enjoy eternity with Him. I want to take a moment to examine this rich young ruler with us for a moment. Notice in these three descriptions of this person that he's rich, he's young, and he's a ruler. And it tells us that he's wealthy, he's got health, and he's got status. Now, honestly, when you lay down plain and simple, these are three things that our world is all about. Everywhere you turn, everywhere you look, it's all about wealth and the accumulation of wealth. We work, we labor, we study, and we all seek to be financially free because we have defined our freedom based on whether we have enough money so that we can do whatever it is that we want to do. Today, more than ever, the world is seeking after health, and I don't know if you ever browse through, you know, uh, social media or look around you, there is all kinds of fitness craze going around, amen? You have cardio freaks like me who run four to five times a week. You have gym rats who are going to the gym all the time and then crossfitters, F45ers. You have vegans, uh, keto dieters, carnivores, intermittent fasters, and the list is endless. And more than any time ever, the pursuit of health is on an all-time high. And finally, in this increasingly connected world, we are able to broadcast everything that we do. We have access to influence um, like never before. And every one of us wants to be more influential or we want to pursue our passions more than ever. Now, let me pause at this point and say that none of these things are bad in and of itself. And if you are pursuing any of these things, it is nothing wrong. In fact, these things are wonderful. In fact, they are perfect. If this present life is all that there is to our existence, if this 70 or 80 years that we're given to live is the only thing that we need to be concerned about, then the pursuit of financial freedom, of purpose, of health, and the desire to be a positive impact in our circle of influence is wonderful. But can I also tell you that this present life is not the only reality that there is. I want to let us know that there is a life after death. There is a truer reality that we do not see with our eyes, we cannot touch with our hands, and we call that the afterlife. The afterlife has its own set of priorities, its own set of purpose, and its own set of rules. 
And let me tell you this, every one of us will have to face the afterlife at some point uh, in our lives. The Bible tell us, tells us this, that what will it benefit a person if he gains the whole world, but then ends up forfeiting his soul? And of what can a person give in exchange for a soul? You see, in other words, if we spend our whole lives pursuing that things that only matter in this present life, with no consciousness about the life that is to come, so what if you gain everything that you're pursuing? Because the day comes when you're faced with eternity, you will find that you've lost everything. Not too long ago, I came across a social media post where this man went out onto the streets and began to ask people this and offer them $10 million and says, imagine if I would give you $10 million, do you think that that would make you happy? Without doubt, everybody said, yes, I think I'll become really happy and life would be perfect and complete. But he said to these people then that there is a caveat. If I give you $10 million today, tomorrow, I'll take your life. And without fail, everybody said then, I don't want the $10 million. You see, there is something that we can pursue all these things, but if our lives are going to be taken away from, it, from us, then what is the point? And in the same way, we can gain everything there is to be gained in this life, in this present world. But if there truly is an afterlife after this, and you can end up losing everything you have spent your life gaining, then what is the point? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you with certainty that there is indeed an afterlife, and that afterlife will last forever. In the afterlife, there is only heaven or hell, and there is nothing in between. And the day that we breathe our last breath, eternity and the afterlife begins for every one of us, and we will all find ourselves standing before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. All of us will face the law and according to the law, every one of us will be pronounced guilty as sinners because the Bible tells us that we have all sinned. We have all fallen of the glory of God. There is not one of us that is righteous and according to the law, all of us are condemned and there is no way we can enter into heaven. But I want to say this, God has come and that's why we celebrate Easter weekend because Jesus came to give us an entrance there is only one entrance that is granted and it is not through a way of doing things, but it is through a person, the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus called to this young man who approached him with this question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to this young man, let go of this world and come follow me. And that's the way that God has prescribed for us to enter into eternity, is to let go of the things that only matter in this world and to follow Him who truly matters. Now, let me tell you and make, you, make this really clear for us. When it comes to following Jesus, it's not about a set of rules. It's not fulfilling some religious uh, requirements. It is not about religion or the institution of religion. When we ask you to follow Jesus, it's not about you becoming a member of the church. It's not about what you do, but it's about a relationship. It's about following a person, being in relationship with Jesus and coming to know the person of Jesus Christ. It's being willing to let go of things and not being totally rooted in this present world, but to come into God's reality. You know what God, God's reality is? It's about righteousness. It's about peace. It's about contentment. It's about forgiveness in our lives. It's about kindness and gratitude and joy. And God wants to fill our lives with these things and cause us to walk in these things. You know, when I was 10 years old, I want to just share something personal. Because when I was 10 years old, I came to the conclusion 
that life was meaningless. Now, I'm not sure why I was thinking about the meaning or the purpose of life at such a young age. I think I should have been thinking a lot more about soccer or basketball or some other fun things. But somehow this was a question that even at a young age, it confounded me. And in my limited sense of understanding as a 10-year-old, I saw my parents' life and in their lives, I saw my own. In a moment of naive epiphany, I saw the course of my life. I was you know, in primary five, that time I remember clearly sitting in the classroom. I still remember as though it happened yesterday, looking out of the classroom. And I remember in those old times, they had these old wind vanes. And looking at the wind vane, I concluded that life was meaningless. And I saw the course of my life. In, two year, in, in a year's time, in primary six, it would be PSLE. Four years later was O-levels. And then two years later, A-levels. And then there's national service. Now, all of you Singaporeans, you can identify with this. And after national service is university, after university is a career, and then hopefully find a beautiful wife, get married, have kids, and then my children will repeat exactly the same routine one generation after the next, a never-ending cycle of fertility and vanity. I saw all of us on this pointless treadmill of life repeating itself over and over again with no purpose and no meaning. I remember coming to that conclusion that life was meaningless and I thought to myself, well, if life is meaningless, why do I want to continue living? At that time, I lived on the 15th floor of a HDB apartment. I looked out the window that night and I said, might as well end my life. But as I looked down 15 floors, I thought, mm, maybe there's a better way to die. <laughs> By the grace and the mercy of God, I did not end my life. When I was 13 years old, I entered a Christian school and it was there in that Christian school for the first time I heard about this person by the name of Jesus. Now let me qualify by saying this. I was raised in a family that did not believe in Jesus Christ. They were not Christians. In fact, I was raised in a family that taught me from a young age that Christianity is not meant for Asian people because it's the God of the white men. It's the God of the foreigners. I was told never to become a Christian. I was, told, I was raised, in fact, to, uh, to, to really dislike Christians and Christianity from that age. So when I went into this Christian school, I determined in my heart that I was never going to be a Christian. But the thing about this school is that every morning there would be devotions in which a short passage from the Bible will be read to us. And every morning they'll read from the Gospels which records for us the life of Jesus Christ. So somehow every morning I'll hear a little bit about this life of this man by the name of Jesus. I heard about his humble birth in a manger, the persecution he faced, you know, even as a baby. I heard about the messages he preached. I mean, I never heard messages like that before. Turning the other cheek, going the second mile, loving your enemies and abandoning hypocrisy. There was something fascinating about the messages that Jesus preached. I heard about the miracles that he performed, that he could open blind eyes, he could multiply bread and fish, and that he walked on water as well. Finally, in the month of April, during Easter, exactly in this same week where we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, just like it is today, I heard about how Jesus was betrayed, and then he was sent to die on the cross, was crucified, and the most surprising thing for me was to see, hear them say that Jesus, three days later, rose from the dead. And something strange happened in my heart. 
from someone who was taught to hate Christians and to hate Christianity, something strange began to happen because nobody preached to me. Nobody came up to me personally and tell me about what Jesus has done for me. But all I did was to hear about the life of Jesus being read every morning. And by the time it came to Easter and I heard about the Lord's death and resurrection, something decisively happened within me. I remember clearly, I realized at that moment that this Jesus is real. Now, let me say this. It was not logical. It was not as though I came to some reasoned conclusion. It was not as though the equations balanced and I came to some kind of a sense that Jesus has to be real. Jesus didn't appear to me visually. Neither did I hear his voice audibly. But something in my heart of hearts knew that this Jesus they're talking about is real. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's what we call faith. You see, faith is so simple. God puts faith in us. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, young or old, whether you're most educated or you have a simple simplicity in your understanding. You see, faith bypasses all these things. God sees our hearts and He puts faith. That's the wonderful thing about Christianity. You know, you can come from any background, but it is faith that causes us to a place of realization that Jesus is real. When that faith rose in my heart, I began to go around the people, you know, in school and I asked them, there were several people that were Christians in my class, and I went to them and said, you know, you're a Christian, would you tell me how to become a Christian? And the answer I got from them was very simple, we don't know, we were born Christians. <laughs> and then I found out that my form teacher was having a little Bible study for which I was not invited, I found the place, the time, you know, and I invited myself to the meeting. And in that meeting, I heard about how sin had separated us from God. Every one of us. I heard that there is a penalty for sin and sin has to be paid for. And the wages, the penalty of sin is death. Not just physical death, but eternal death in hell. Now, ladies and gentlemen, hell was never created for us, for humankind. It was created for the fallen angels that rebelled against the Lord. And the Bible tells us the will of God is that none should perish. And that is why God sent His Son, Jesus Christ. He walked amongst us three and a half years in ministry, 33 and a half years altogether. And then He went to the cross, suffered the most cru cruel torture. And His death was payment for our sins. Jesus knew that we had no ability to pay for sin. And so he came and paid for sin on our behalf. I heard that there's nothing I can do to earn my way into salvation, just like the Red Tide Society showed us. There's no way I could earn my way into eternal life. But the only way was to receive by asking the Lord is to ask for Jesus and what he's done for us and to say, Lord, I receive what you have done for us. I couldn't believe it. It was so simple. Ask and you will receive what he's accomplished for us. That day, the teacher told me this. All that's required is a simple prayer to invite Jesus into our hearts. And when he comes, he takes the red tie, he puts it on us. And that symbolizes his blood that is shed for us, that washes all our sins away. So that when God looks at us, He sees the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, and He proclaims us righteous. I prayed the simple prayer that I would follow Jesus from that day onward, onwards. And the words that I prayed were not special words. They were not, you know, magical. It was just simple, ordinary words. 
asking the Lord to come into my heart. I want to tell you this. I walked out of that classroom. I knew something changed for me on the inside. The desire to die left me. I knew from that moment on that I had a purpose in my life. And that there is a God who actually knows me, who knows my name. I walked out with so much joy that I could not contain it. Everyone I saw, I said to them, I found Jesus. I found Jesus. I found Jesus. Much later, I learned this, that I did not find him, but he found me, okay? Jesus was never lost. I was the one that was lost. But that day, when I walked out of that classroom, there were two things I knew immediately. I didn't know how I know it. I just knew God called me into full-time ministry. Now, realize this. I never read the Bible, never been to church, never met a pastor, didn't know anything. But the word full-time ministry came into my consciousness and God said that this is what I created you for. From the beginning, you are a person with purpose. There is meaning, there is reason. I created you to serve me and you will preach my word. By the way, this year, 22 years, I've been serving God in full-time. Amen. The second thing I knew immediately was this simple phrase in my spirit that said, as I laid my life down for you, someday I'll give you the privilege to lay your life down for me. And when I heard that, I said to myself, what an honour. Jesus, you gave your life for me and I want to give my life to you. As a young person, you know, 13, 14, I began to think of different ways in which I can die for Jesus. And I said, Lord, if you ever, you know, if I was ever to die for you, let it be one gunshot to the head and I'll be dead, you know. But let me not be tortured like the, you know, like, like the martyrs of old and how terrible deaths they went through. And then later on in my Christian world, I discovered this. God, God doesn't want me to die one time. He wants me to die daily. I realized, you know, dying on an installment plan was a lot harder than just dying once. And all this happened exactly 36 years ago. And 36 years later, I want to say, declare this to you, that God is as real as He was 36 years ago and as alive as He was as He is to me today. Amen. In all these 36 years, life did not become easier. In fact, the moment I became a Christian, life became a lot tougher and harder. I, God began to convict my hearts about things that were wrong in my lives, the lying, the anger, and I realized I had to surrender things when I was in conflict. God said, no, you give in, you apologize. And I realized that being a Christian was so much more difficult. But I want to tell you this, Jesus kept His promise that no matter how difficult things became, He never left me. He's never forsaken me. He's ever been with me. God does not promise us that there'll be no storms in our life, but He promises to go with us through the storm. I serve a living God who speaks, who leads, who guides. In the, in, in, in the years that I've been a Christian, I've faced so many issues in my life. So many times I felt like giving up, but God has always come through. He's spoken and He's proven Himself to be real over and over again. I want, you might ask me, Pastor, how can you be so certain that God is real? And I want to encourage you, the Bible says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. Give Him a try. Test Him in this. God will come through because He is real. If you would invite Him and say, Lord, will you show yourself to me? God will show Himself to you. He will begin to orchestrate things in your life. You know, I've got three young boys who grew up in a Christian family. And one of the toughest things for me is to teach them the reality of God. And many times they would pray, says, you know, Dad, you know, we don't hear God speaking to us like the way He does to you. 
But over the years, as they begin to walk with God, as they continue to pray, they have begun to discover that God answers their prayers. Just the other day, my son said to me, you know, out of nowhere, I felt this scripture, you know, uh, come up. And I felt that I need to attend a class that is here in Cornerstone, a Tuesday night class. And he's 16 years old, okay? And he gives this verse, you know, um, and he's never come across this verse before. And then he goes to the class. The first thing that instructor does, he flashes exactly that verse that God gave to him. And then he says to me, Dad, I know God is real. He speaks to me. Last night in this service, my number two son came up to the altar and gave his life. And this is not the first time. And I said to him, you know, Samuel, why are you coming up to give your life to, the, you know, to God? And he said this, he said, I've, you know, I, in my heart, I've always given my heart to God. But I've never publicly in front of everybody stand in front and say, I'm going to follow Jesus. He says, I just felt that I need to do that. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we're celebrating Resurrection Weekend. This whole week, 2,000 years ago, Jesus entered Jerusalem and he knew what he was about to suffer. Let me tell you, the Lord did not look at the cross and said, ooh, I can't wait for the cross. The Bible tells us that he prayed all night asking God, Lord, if it is possible, I don't want to go to the cross. The pain, the torment, the disappointment, the betrayal. And yet Jesus didn't stop there. He says, not my will, but yours be done. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus hung on the cross, not because the nails kept him there. He said that he could have asked for angels and for help and 2,000 angels would appear to deliver him. The thing that kept Jesus on the cross was his love for you and I because he knows that all of us are in need of a saviour. He knows us by name. He knows our needs. You see, the thing about my God is that my God knows me. In my darkest hour, he shows up. He embraces me. He speaks love. When I'm discouraged, He strengthens me. When I'm proud, He humbles me. He's the best thing and He's a good God. Ladies and gentlemen, today is not about an invitation to religion. It is about an invitation to relationship. God, Jesus Christ, is not about religion. That's why the religious people hated Him and killed Him. Because it's all about relationship. I want to invite all of us to stand to our feet because we're going to bring this time to a close. This is the most important part of the service because I want to give an invitation for us to respond to the Lord. Amen. You know, I don't do this because we're required to do this. I do this because 36 years ago, I experienced God for myself. And one of the greatest things that can happen for us in our lives is when Jesus comes into our hearts. Amen. I want to speak to two groups of people who are in this place. The first group are people that you have heard about God, you've heard about Christ, you have come to church maybe once, twice, or maybe you've even been around Christians, but you've never invited Jesus into your hearts. And I want to encourage you tonight, this morning, to respond. You see, the way God works is that He comes gently. And He begins to knock on the door of our hearts. Something begins to tug at us and we sense something that we cannot describe inside. And that's how the Holy Spirit works. You see, the thing about the door of our hearts is that the handle is on the inside and only we can have, we can open it. God will never budge in. He'll never force open the door. But He gives us the opportunity to say yes. You see, love is not love unless there is choice given.
And, and that's why the Lord doesn't force His salvation on every one of us. We have to choose Him. We have to ask. And then we can receive. Now I want to speak to those of you for the first time you've, you've, you've never received Christ and you sense this touch of the Holy Spirit, I want to encourage you to respond today because in a short while, I'm going to give you the opportunity to receive Jesus into your heart. But the second group of people I want to talk to especially are people that at some point in your life, you have prayed the prayer to receive Jesus into your heart. But you know in your heart of hearts that you have walked far away from God. You know in your heart of hearts, you are now pursuing many things that is not God and that is not what God has for you. You have pursued wealth, you have pursued health, you have pursued status and there is still an emptiness in your heart and you come back and God wants to fill the emptiness. He wants to show up again. There are people who are in this place you have actually tasted and seen that God is real and God is good. And while you have wandered away, you have never abandoned God at the back of your mind, sometimes in the quietness of, your, of, of, of the night or in your room when you're alone, you pray and you've cried out to the Lord and God has heard your cries. And today is a divine appointment and God is giving us the opportunity to come back to Him. You see, I don't want to use the word backsliders. I, want to know, I don't want to use the word sliding back because I want to say this, Jesus never departed from us. And there's a constant call for us to draw near to Him. And if you feel far away from Him and you are not sure if you're truly saved, then I want to encourage you to respond as well. So I'm going to invite all of us to bow our heads and close our eyes at this point. And I want to give us the opportunity to respond. Firstly, for those who have never responded before to Jesus, to invite Him into your heart, I want to say this, God is good. He is loving, He is kind, He will silence the storms that are in your life, He will satisfy you and He'll give purpose and meaning to you. And whatever it is that you're going through, I want to tell you by your own efforts, it'll never be enough. By your own strivings, you have known that it doesn't bring satisfaction. And God is the only one that can satisfy us, who can bring order back into our lives. Amen. And of course, there are people that you have been far away from the Lord, I'm telling you, God is not far away from you. He is, He's always been near to you. And all you need to do is call out His name and He'll come to you. Amen. And every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to encourage us. I want to encourage us. I, in fact, I want to challenge us. I want to challenge us this morning. The Bible says, Today is the day of salvation. If you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. You know, we all have a choice. Will we respond or will we harden our hearts? And I want to encourage you not to harden your hearts because you never know when a second opportunity is going to come your way again. And the Holy Spirit is moving. Some of you, you've been offended in church by Christians. And I want to apologize to you for that. But I want to tell you that I'm not inviting you back into religion. I'm inviting you back to God. This is not a promise that you'll never get hurt again. But this is a promise that if you ever get hurt, Jesus, if you allow Him, will heal you of all your hurts. You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. 
Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.